This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, imagine you've survived sexual violence or you're leaving an abusive situation at home and you have to tell your story to people over and over to get the support services that you need. And you have to travel to multiple locations spread out across the city and tell your story again. All of this to meet your immediate needs and to help you heal in the long term. Well, that's all too common for survivors, but it doesn't have to be that way. In cities across the country and as close by as Rockford, Illinois, there are centers that serve as a one-stop location for meeting these needs. Well, now one advocate is working to make this a reality in Chicago as well. Shar Rivette is the CEO of the Chicago Children's Advocacy Center, which provides this service to children, and now she's working to expand this to adults. And she joins us now for the latest in our Chicago Innovator Series. Welcome, Shar. Oh, thank you, Sasha Ann. Thanks for having me. You've been working with children, as I mentioned, doing this work for for many years. So why are you so passionate about now doing the work for adults? Well, I think mainly because it works. You know, we've been doing our work at Chicago Children's Advocacy Center for over 20 years, co-located with the Chicago Police Department, DCFS, prosecutors, and we're all here together to collaborate and coordinate our work. And we know that collaboration works. We know that we can work together successfully to reduce the trauma that our kids feel, just like you said, reducing that need of going from place to place to place to get services to tell their story. And if it works for kids, um, we know it can work for adults, too, just like the example you mentioned in Rockford and and other cities throughout the country. Rates of domestic violence, they've increased since the pandemic. Can you talk more about that? Yes, they have. Um, They've gone up significantly, as you know. And I think there's a few factors behind that. One, of course, the pandemic changed um, just the nature of where people were every day. It created environments where um, victims or survivors were sort of trapped with the people that were perpetrating against them. They had nowhere to go. It increased stress and anxiety within those family systems. So you had a perfect storm of um, access and um, opportunity for more domestic violence incidents to happen and sexual abuse as well, Mm -hmm. um, but also nowhere to go. You know, those institutions that were here to protect people just weren't functioning properly. So, yes, a perfect storm of domestic violence increases. Yeah, you've said that if there's child abuse happening in the home, it's likely that there's uh, domestic and or sexual violence happening as well. Yeah, that's one of the reasons, too, that we decided to explore this idea of, you know, adult model. We're calling it Can Hope, Chicago Advocacy Network for Hope, um, is because our cases that we see at Chicago CEC, we know a lot about them, of course. We have about 35% of our cases that come in here where the child is identified as the victim, but we, through our needs assessment and screening, learn that they are living with a caretaker who's experiencing domestic violence or they have their own uh, history of sexual assault unresolved. So we know it's there. We knew it was a problem, and we felt like it was time for us to be part of the solution to do something about it. Talk more about Can Hope and, and the vision. What would this program do differently? Yeah, so um, we are lucky in Chicago that we have a lot of wonderful domestic violence and sexual assault agencies. I call it a quilt of services in Chicago. We've got small agencies, we've got large agencies that do a variety of services, provide a variety of services for survivors. But what we see here in Chicago, what's unique about us, we have a lot of service organizations, but we don't have a strong coordinated uh, care model. So 
if somebody's experiencing uh, domestic or sexual violence, in order for them to find where to go, it's it's a it's a puzzle, you know, trying to figure out where do I go, what's mm-hmm. the closest place, and so we want to provide one place for them to get help, one place that can coordinate all of these wonderful organizations, many of them would be actually located together in one building with us so that that survivor doesn't have to navigate this very complicated, scary array of services while they're under trauma and stress, um, that we can help them go through that together and do a better job at almost like a medical home model, you know, of providing services for these individuals so they don't have to figure it out on their own. So you said sometimes the services would be even in one building. How are you facilitating, like, communication between the entities? Mm -hmm. Well, there's, uh, we're starting that process now. So one of the cool things is we got a grant from the uh, Office of Violence Against Women, a federal grant, uh, four years, and the first year is planning. So we consider ourselves the facilitator of this. We're the um, convener, the facilitator, the experts in collaboration. So we had our first group meeting yesterday with um, our working group, which is a variety of uh, agencies in Chicago that do this work. And so we're going to figure this out together. How can we be the connector? What ways can we be the kind of initial point of contact and then um, bring everybody else in depending on what that person needs? So we're at the early stages of development, and we're doing that with our partners in the community that do this great work. Yeah. You talked a moment ago about uh, just kind of giving us a picture of of what this looks like, you know, where survivors sort of have to go to lengths to try to navigate all of these services. Does this lead, Char, to people just not seeking supportive services at all? Absolutely. One of the barriers um, that we know that that prevents people from wanting to seek services is it is so confusing or they may have to go to multiple places to figure out where to go or they go to one place and they don't have the capacity to meet them there. So they get referred to another place to go somewhere else. And after a while, it's just simply exhausting. We we also know that um, survivors are concerned about the systems themselves. So the government systems that are in place to protect people can sometimes be a barrier to for them to access it because it's scary, because they may not have had good experiences, say, with law enforcement. Maybe they didn't have good experiences with DCFS, you know, if they're worried about their children. Maybe they had a bad experience at court. You know, so we also want to help them navigate those um, systemic, those system resources that are important for protection in a way that helps them feel empowered and supported while they're accessing those services. Yeah, and this work that you're doing with Can Hope, it's loosely based off of the family justice models, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's the core of that model? So the, so the core of the family justice center model is really that coordinated effort, okay. that one-stop shop, you know, that place for victims or survivors to go, that they don't have to go to multiple places. It also focuses on the improvement of the criminal justice system and how the criminal justice system, how we respond to these cases um, from a law enforcement perspective, um, how we how we do that better, how we do that in a way that that really does support believing victims. It supports their experience and going through this process from their point of view in a way that is along the same lines of their own pace of going through this. You know, some of our survivors aren't ready right mm-hmm. away. 
you know, maybe we can help them get ready down the road if they want to, you know, pursue uh, a law enforcement response. And that's been identified as one of the key barriers. And the Family Justice Center model makes that feel safer and more effective because we're doing it together and that person has their advocate, their, mm-hmm. their support people with them. So that's the main reason why those family justice centers got started. You're saying the law enforcement response was one of the, the key barriers there? The law enforcement response and then the prosecutorial, uh, prosec- the prosecutor's office is trying to improve those mechanisms for successful prosecutions. Yeah. So yes, many of the family justice centers around the country were driven by law enforcement or by um, their state's attorney's offices or their district attorneys. But you know what? We're doing that differently here. Um, one thing different about Chicago's response here, can Hope, is we want this to be driven more by the survivor voice, by the community-based organizations that serve survivors so that they don't have to have a law enforcement response to get services. Sometimes that's a gateway to services, and we don't want that to be one of the one of the um, you know, impediments to service. We want them to get services regardless of their desire to mm-hmm. bring law enforcement in. And uh, back to what we were talking about earlier, centers based off of this uh, family justice model that we, we just discussed uh, exists across the country from, you know, California to Idaho to Massachusetts. And there are locations here in Illinois, but just not in Chicago. So why do you think, Shar, that there hasn't been one developed yet? Well, you know, Chicago's a big city, and it took us a long time to create the the Children's Advocacy Center. Even though we're 20 years old as a center, we were not the first. We were probably 10, 15 years into the development of that model. So I think maybe the same pace is happening for family justice centers, Um, you know, Sometimes, because we have multiple agencies that do this work, we don't have one centralized like domestic violence shelter that is a wonderful thing for the city, but can, but it can also um, mean it's we're slower to move forward with this kind of a centralized system. You know, no one's stepped up yet, and that's one of the reasons you know I decided that we at Chicago CEC should develop Can Hope is everybody was busy doing their work and expanding their programs and, and really focusing on their, their clients. And we decided, you know what, why don't we step in and make this happen? Because it just wasn't happening yet from our city, from our law enforcement, from our other agencies. So we, we're filling a gap, and we do believe that a not-for-profit, you know, community-based approach is the best approach. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about an initiative called Can Hope that would centralize supportive and protective services for adults who are surviving domestic and sexual violence uh, in one location. Shar Rivette is CEO of the Chicago Children's Advocacy Center, and uh, she's actively bringing this to uh, fruition. Shar, you're in the early stages, right, of developing the program. But how have you gotten it to this point so far? Um, well, a lot of work. A lot of <laughs> she laughs. Calls. Um, a lot of, you know, the, the early years, I've been talking and thinking about this for about three and a half years, I would say. Wow. And really it's been, it started out as a as an idea with our state's attorneys here that work on site at Chicago CEC. And we started thinking about, wow, wouldn't it be great if we had something like we do here for adults? And then I reached out to the network, Advocating Against Domestic Violence. Um, we're members of the network, talking to Amanda Pyron there and starting to kind of vet the idea, you mm-hmm. know, with community-based organizations. 
started talking to the mayor's office, the um, gender-based violence um, department, and, you know, really talking and listening and then hearing what people thought would be the best way to do it. And you know what? I'm pretty persistent, and I just kept asking people until we got to the point of, uh, enough of us all saying the same thing at the same time, yeah. which led to the application of the to the grant that we got from the federal government. We had one of your partners on Reset earlier today, Mallory Littlejohn, uh, legal director of Chicago Alliance Against Sexual Exploitation, and she mentioned that Case is super excited for Can Hope. <laughs> Good, they've been our they've been one of our early partners. I actually started talking to Case and Resilience. Early, the earliest people that I to about this, just to even make sure, you know, it was something the community wanted. Yeah. I certainly don't want to do something that the community does not want. Tell us more about your collaborators and, and how they're responding to this effort. Yeah, so we've got kind of two different um, groups, so to speak. One are the community-based organizations, and we have a, an active working group of providers, and those are agencies like the Network, Resilience, Opnagar, Sarah's Inn, Center on Halstead, uh, YWCA. Um, I hate even listing them because I know I'm leaving some of them out. Um, but a lot of is, support. <laughs> yeah, tons of support. And then we're, so we're working with them to really steer us in the right direction. And then we're also going to be working with those multidisciplinary team members that are responsible for um, just kind of the legal or the government, you know, aspect of it. Uh, Ascend Justice, by the way, is a strong partner, too. Mm-hmm. So now we're working with uh, domestic violent court, for example, Chicago Police Department, the mayor's office, uh, the Department of Family and Support Services, uh, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, um, and then those civil legal advocates that I mentioned, like Case. And, yeah. And, um, oh, that's great. Justice. So we've got kind of everybody, we think, you know, at least so far on board. That's a great start. Yeah, yeah a great, a great start. start. You uh, mentioned, you know, you received city backing for the program. What does it feel like to get this support from the city? Well, it feels great. I mean, Mayor Daly was the original uh, creator or founder of Chicago CAC, you know, and quickly he moved us to a not-for-profit and we were on our own after that. So we've historically had city support for our service because we're so unique and we're pretty, you know, we're stable, you know, long-term partner with the city. But when the city came to, when I started talking to the city, you know, I was really excited about the fact that they were willing to put us or put the idea of a coordinated case response in their strategic plan. You know, they support gender-based violence services, added a lot of money to their programming this year. Um, And the fact that they believe in this model, that the mayor believes in it, that the department believes in it, you know, I don't know if we could do it without their support. They don't want to do it. They want us to do it. Yeah. Um, but they want to be behind us supporting the process and to help us financially, uh, you know, when they are able to. Which, how does that make you feel? That, you know, great. <laughs> they, don't want to, they don't want to do it, but they want you to do that work, you to take it on. You know what? I'm okay with that because I believe that this kind of a community-based, um, you know, process should be the community moving it forward. I don't think it should be a government-run entity. So I think that's fine with me, and I believe that that is the best way to move forward successfully uh, rather than have the city kind of come in and develop it, run it, and and decide for us, the community, what is best. Well, in the seconds I have left with you, I know you also received a two-year MacArthur Foundation grant for capacity building. Tell us, how much money do you still need to, to raise to make this a reality, Char? 
Well, for the building capital funding, we need close to $35 million. So um, we've got a ways to go there. We're going to be starting, you know, some serious fundraising to get the building built. In terms of programming, we're okay for the next couple of years because of our federal grant. And then we're going to start looking at private foundations and some city um, grants to move us forward with staffing. Fingers crossed. That's Shar Rivette, CEO of the Chicago Children's Advocacy Center. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sasha Ann. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.